She's a professional aromatherapist, and he is an international wellness advocate for the largest essential oil company in the world. But their love for essential oils has brought them together. Welcome to Fellowship in Essential Oils, where Elizabeth Ashley and Adam Barillet discuss essential oils and their gifts for the body, heart, head and spirit. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our first episode of Fellowship in Essential Oils. My name is Adam. And I'm Elizabeth. And we are so excited to be diving into a different oil each week. This is our first ever episode, and we decided to start off with a big gun. We decided to start off with Melissa. And I know, Elizabeth, you're really, really passionate about Melissa because you've been diving deep into this oil, haven't you? (laughs) Melissa Essential Oil swallowed me for four years. I um, started off just thinking about um, how it was filling the garden, the smell of the lemon balm was smelling the garden and how soothing it was at a very stressful time in my life and started reading about it and came across this this mention in the herbal uh, textbooks from the medieval times really that the Medici were the priestesses of the ancient goddess Demeter and I thought well what's that mean? And if, well, who were they? What did they do? And I always think if they, if I knew what they knew, what would I know then? <laughs> and so I became absolutely hooked on learning everything there was about uh, Melissa essential oil and about these priestesses. And I was very surprised to learn that they still exist. And they had uh, escaped the closure of the pagan sanctuaries in the fourth century escaped up to Scandinavia and this um, beautiful system of uh, rituals and meditation still existed in Lithuania but also in ancient Britain and Wales which is where I lived and so it was on my doorstep and so I learned all about why Melissa essential oil is related to these bee priestesses do you want to know why I would love to know why I'm sure hopefully our listeners do too well, so Melissa is, uh, it, it's the ancient Greek word for bee. But interestingly, if you put Melissa essential oil into a gas a GCMS and you do a GCMS report and look at the chemistry, it's virtually identical to the, to the chemicals of a bee hormone and the pheromones mm. that they use to be able to communicate. And so when the bees want to tell um, the others to be calm and this is home and don't be confused because somebody's moved your beehive, for example, they make this pheromone called Nasnoff and it smells exactly like Melissa essential oil. And uh, so these priestesses, um, presumably, we don't know, used lemon balm to say to their followers, this is home. This is where the where the goddess is, and you are safe here. It's beautiful. Very much so. And, and the priestesses that are still practicing today are they using Melissa essential oil? I don't think they do. There's only really me um, yeah. th- that associates the two. But uh, any any beekeeper will tell you, oh yes, you use Melissa essential oil to attract swarms. And um, I've actually and had so, beekeepers ask ask for Melissa for that pure reason as well. Yeah. That yeah, le- lemon balm and lemongrass. 
So lemongrass is a lot cheaper if you want to um, attract a swarm. And if anybody's watching this to be able to do that, I will say to you that you also need some old brood comb because bees like to go where bees have been before. So brood comb is where they've raised all their babies. And so it feels like you're going into an old nursery. So use your Melissa essential oil, but also get some old brood comb. You'll be sure to attract many swarms. Mm. Now, one of the interesting things that you mentioned um, is Melissa essential oil is on the more expensive level when it comes to purchasing your essential oils, which is really quite strange when you first hear that it comes from a lemon balm plant where we can go down to the nursery and for a few dollars or a few quid, we can kind of grab a, a lemon balm. So why are people paying, you know, 100, 200 pounds, dollars or that for a little bit of Melissa? It's because there's only a tiny little bit of essential oil. So you need a lot of plants to actually produce just a small amount of essential oil, don't you? It is the strangest thing, isn't it? Because, you know, you only have to touch it in the garden, don't you? And, and the, the garden fills with this fragrance. But as you quite rightly say, when you distill it, I think the amount that you get out of it is like 0.03%. Um, the rest of the chemicals stay within the water. So you can make beautiful Melissa Hydrolat. But yeah, it's uh, exquisite. And, and that is kind of one of the pitfalls that I found when I was researching it as a book, because one of the most important chemicals that's being researched scientifically is called rosmarinic acid, which is a really huge molecule and it's too heavy to pass through to distillation. So when you mm. read research about lemon balm and how good it is, for example, for diabetes um, and as an antioxidant doesn't necessarily transmit into the science about the essential oil which is which is very complicated and difficult to deal with but what's extraordinary is when you look at them you say well people have been using Melissa essential oil for centuries you know it's we've been using it since around about the 12th century for diabetes and it does work but it's obviously mm -hmm. not that molecule that does it. And we don't really understand why. Um, so that's really interesting, isn't it? That, that how only some of the medicine comes out of the plant. Now, one of my favourite things about Melissa that I, I think it was a 16th century physician by the name of Paraclesius. I think he was, where was he? Swedish or somewhere like that. He believed that Melissa was the elixir of life. Um, and that it would completely revitalise someone who was near death. It would, it would kind of bring them back to life in that type of way. How have you been using, you know, for yourself personally and for uh, your clients physically, how do you like to use Melissa? So, well, to pick up on that story that you told, I should yeah. tell a story on top of that um, that will uh, that is, I, I found fascinating, really. So, with this idea of this elixir of uh, um, life, lots of other um, herbalists tried to make it. So he wasn't using any essential oil, he was using an alchemical spagyric, which is difficult, different, but still uh, Melissa. And when people wrote about it, they told these amazing stories of how it had affected women, postmenopausal women had it was a there's a story from the physician of louis the 14th 15th something like that, i think and he wrote very uh, detailed knowledge about how he'd given it to a servant of his first of all he gave it to a root to a, a cockerel who was looking very very sorry for himself 
and the he'd had this uh spagyric this melissa and all of his feathers had fell out all of his talons had fell out all of his uh the the comb on the cockerel's head that pulled comb all yep. of that was looking mangled and everything had fell out and then grown back magnificently and this old cockerel was at the prime of his life so this naughty physician thought well they wanted to do it on a person so he'd found an old servant an old lady who uh, worked in the court and he'd started to give her this melissa without telling her what it was well the poor old woman she was postmenopausal and she started to bleed very, very heavily. All her fingernails fell out, all her hair fell out. And she was like, she thought that she'd been hexed. So she fled she, uh, and nobody saw her again. So nobody knows what happened to her again. But remarkably, the same thing happened to me. So I had been researching it for months and months. I'd been using the essential oil. I had been uh using the drinking the tea i'd been using the hydrolat frankly i had soused myself in it and two years after the menopause i bled for 13 days and wow. it was horrific actually i had to go and have tests for cancer and they said we can't explain it i said oh i know what's happened here this is melissa she is absolutely fantastic if your periods are missing so i would say not necessarily don't do it if you're menopausal. It's not, it wasn't a good experience. But if you have scant periods as a younger person, or if you have extremely painful periods as um, as a younger person, and incidentally, I didn't have any pain in that 13 days, just loads of blood. But um, so there's lots and lots of research into the essential oil, into the capsules with the herb, all through, and where they say, the pain of the period gets better in the first month, but in the second month gets much, much better. And particularly through gynecology, generally, there are there is lots of uses. So particularly for ladies who are about to give birth, there's lots of research that shows if you uh, use Melissa before you uh, give birth and in those days after, not only does it stop the after pains because it's working in the same way as the um, as it does for periods, but also helps against antenatal, uh, sorry, postnatal depression, postpartum depression. So that's, I think, such an important usage. What sort of things do you use it for, Adam? Well, for me, you know, interesting when you're talking about the depression and the feeling. If I could kind of like give a visual of what Melissa does for those that haven't worked with Melissa before. It's kind of like when it's a dark, cloudy day and, you know, you're kind of feeling like you've got, there's no hope, you lost faith, will we ever get to the end or will we get through this? And Melissa is like that sun shining through, through the clouds. It's that real invigoration. So I find it really helpful for um, when physically, first of all, we're exhausted. Like we've been running, we've been doing, you know, running to the end of our tether, doing way too much. And we're just like, I have no strength to go on. And using a little bit of Melissa, um, you know, on the back of the neck, on the back of the neck, or sometimes we'll pop it. Um, you've, and you've got to be careful where you get your Melissa from, obviously, but a little bit on your thumb and hold it on the roof of the mouth. Um, and we find it's like that that uplift, I guess that they've, they've talked about for for hundreds and hundreds of years. Um, and we've found people that have used it. We kind of say like a thirty day Melissa challenge. We like to run. We just use a drop of Melissa each day, and people have found either both emotionally, they've found they just feel a bit 
more buoyant. It's helped to lift them up, but also focus in their mental focus as well. They've found themselves really, really clear. Um, and the great thing is because you only need just a tiny bit, but using it on that kind of ongoing basis for like a 30-day period or a small period kind of thing kind of brings you out of that, I guess, Probably the two key words I'd use would be it brings back hope and it brings back faith. Um, you know, I find any oil that is has a lemon scent, and there are, you know, many, many oils that have a lemon scent. I like to call the lemon-scented oils the oils of the light worker. And the spiritual people, light workers, are those that help to make this world a better place. Now, they may not be teachers or healers or something like that. They may be just people that are just good people and and share more kindness and i think melissa is one of those ones that when we we've kind of lost sight of the light it kind of resurrects our faith and hope in humanity in what in the in the world and in life itself as well so i really love it for that i love that so there's a couple of things that um i would pick up on from what you said yeah first of all um I don't know if you would be familiar with who they are in Australia, but we have a, 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 a body called the International Fragrance Regulation Association, IFRA. Yes. Um, and they're in charge of telling you how much of a particular constituent within an oil you can use. So mm. if somebody has to, if somebody makes like a, a pot of cream for their face, for example, you need to understand the IFRA connotations of how much you can use. So one, so they have a guideline around Melissa because it's so high in citral, which is the beautiful lemony bit that you're talking about. Mm. The uh, citral can be a really strong photosensitizer and skin sensitizer. So maximum dilution of Melissa essential oil is 0.4%, which kind of just fits really well, doesn't it? We're considering that that's kind of the natural. Live, uh, um, limit that we get anyway so yeah. 0.4 percent uh is kind of use a tablespoon of uh, a carrier and then just use one drop in there so it's really 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 dilutes especially if you put it on the inside of the mouth i would recommend that but um this beautiful idea of this hope and the faith that you're talking about one of the things that really struck me when I was doing the research was these priestesses ran a particular festival called Thesmophoria, and it was for women only. And there was there was bizarre rituals. I mean, really strange rituals. They would bury a pig and then dig up the monkey pig and all sorts of horrible things. But um, I, there was a three day festival and all of those women were there together. And it really made me think about like this idea of the women looking after the women and the, the you know, the, the gynecological stories passing down and stuff. And uh, one of the things that comes up a lot in the medical research is how effective Melissa is for older people who have dementia and who have Alzheimer's loads of research into them and particularly there's a lot of research into the benefits of massaging the arms of somebody and hand massaging people who have got really chronic uh, alzheimer's and dementia and I, I think about how the bees 
use it to tell them this is home don't be confused that's not where you left it that it has moved you know that kind of same interaction for these people who are really really confused that real disorientation yeah real disorientation and while you can't obviously see that in the research of marrying up can when you start to watch it, it, it is the same it has the same effect on people for memory it's very good for memory helps you believe it or not scientifically proven to be better at doing mathematical processing so uh, um if you've got if you're doing a maths exam then melissa is a great one but also just this sort of being able to make a equals b equals c you know people who are really struggling like that it's very very helpful but the interesting thing is it's made better by using it with lavender um and so this blend of lavender and melissa which i was taught sort of 30 years ago as the specific now has got quite a lot of uh, scientific research behind it to say that this is a beautiful way to soothe them they go to sleep better the, the, when they were gauging how it was done they used these sort of questionnaires that are used to assess how bad somebody's dementia is this is not just about the memory it's like really upsetting to read because it's from the carer's point of view how often do they, they disrobe how much how often do they spit at you how often do they see inappropriate things? How often do get, they get lost? It's really upsetting to read. But without fail, Melissa and Lavender helped make it better. So that was really important, really important stuff, I think. So with, with the dementia and the memory kind of aspects, what's the best application of how would you use them, Melissa? In a lotion, just a gentle massage on the hand and arms. And because they're so frail, um, anybody who doesn't know much about uh, um, massage, really proper aromatherapy massage is nothing more than stroking the oils in. So just maybe one drop of um, Melissa, one drop of um, lavender in quite a big bottle of um, lotion. Just keep that with them and then simply just stroke that on and they feel more, they feel happier. They feel calmer. They sleep better their um, adverse um, behavior drops down. It's an amazing thing, it's really important medicine. I love what you said there about people that are a bit worried about, oh, I don't know how to give a good massage. A colleague of mine um, by the name Boyd Truman says, stop thinking you're the healer, the oils are the healer, your job is to rub them in. So just rubbing them in however you are. And I think to take, go off on a little um, kind of divergent for a second, how important touch is. I, I, I've heard stories about, um, I know a physician who was telling me that there was a, um, an 85-year-old lady who would come every second week for an appointment and she was as fit as a fiddle. And he started saying, listen, you don't need to come every couple of weeks, you're, you're fine. But at the end, he would always, she always wanted a hug and he'd always give her a hug. And she said, well, to be honest with you, the only reason I come is this is the only physical contact I still have in my life. And so for, you know, the ugly... It's beautiful. I do. I was really blown away after um, after lockdown. I have three children. Two two of them are grown and away, but I have one at home. Um, and my husband said so the three of us were in a unit, and so it didn't really affect me this thing of you can't touch anybody because I was in my bubble. 
Yeah. My mum was later in the bubble, but she lived away from us. And because she was old, I kept my distance for a long time. And so it was nearly a year by the time I gave her a hug and it made her cry. You know, she was just like, it's been so long since I've been touched. And it's a very soothing and reassuring thing when somebody puts their hand on you. What I would mm. say, though, is if we're thinking about entering somebody's space and obviously somebody everybody is surrounded by this energetic uh, bubble if you like depending on how much we allow people in and, and not in their aura so for somebody who has dementia or somebody who is confused I would always recommend putting your hand gently into the aura for a while and then slowly putting it onto their body because otherwise it's like where did that come from and that's frightening and that's shocking. You know, it's like somebody comes up behind you on the escalator, isn't it? You're like, yeah. You know, they're too close. So just if you haven't done any massage before, you go into their energetic space and then very gently, one fingertip, two fingertips, three fingertips so that you don't scare them. And then, yeah, just simply stroking the oil in. Yeah, beautiful. I think if you take nothing from this podcast, even if you don't have your Melissa oil yet, you know, the importance of touch and giving someone a massage. I don't know if you've heard of this massive study that was done around the world. It's, it would have been quite a fun study to do. Someone went and sat in coffee shops around the world and they actually counted how much people would touch each other in the interactions. And they noticed in countries such as the UK, in Australia, where I am, in the US and many of the kind of the more Western cultures, um, people would touch each other on an average of twice an hour. Whereas in some of the more European countries, maybe like Italy, um, in some of the, um, the African and other parts of the South American parts, people are touching each other around 200 times an hour. Really? And it just shows how, how much. There, there's another shocking study that happened way back in, you know, many, many decades ago before ethics kind of came in between two nurseries in, I think it was in Germany, where one, the children were held all the time in this nursery. And the others, they weren't. And the health differences, basically the ones that were held all the time grew up to be nice and healthy. The ones that were just fed and not touched, yeah, had big issues with health. So I think we forget how important touch is. I, I think as well, there is um, there's an argument for the importance of touch that's not sexual touch. Yeah. Um, because, and for, you know, for for your lady that you were talking about, for, for people who are widowed or widowed, it's doubly gone, isn't it? You know, the, 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 the sex has gone, but also that just gentle reassurance touch is mm. gone. And so I think massage has a, a, a big part to play in helping that. And um, certainly in studies for menopause, one of the things that helps menopausal symptoms the most is having a massage. Wow. Yeah. Reg regular mm. massage as for people with menopause has tremendous um, good uh, empirical evidence. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I do want to just jump back before we go forward again. You talk, when you're talking about Melissa for, um, for um, menstrual health and menopause and so on, how would be, would that be massaging the oil on again or how, how would you best use it? that way well do you know yes i would i would definitely use essential oils but even lemon balm tea has tremendous mm. empirical knowledge so just drinking the tea 
but I would definitely do a massage oil with some uh, some rose and clary sage and melissa just that lovely blend of three oils nice weak dilution and just keep massaging it over the um, lower abdomen and the lower back really really helps the pain but really helps to stabilize the um, menstrual cycle completely yeah yeah beautiful and we're talking obviously about the aura before so Elizabeth and I haven't compared notes before we started recording this. So I want to throw a couple of kind of energetic questions at you and see where we kind of land on our opinions on these. Melissa and the chakras, where would you work with Melissa and the chakras? Would you match it with a certain chakra? So only because we've been talking about menstrual, I would say the sacral chakra. But um, one of the main, the most like, famous of the Melissa priestesses was Melissa Delphis, who was the Oracle of Delphi. And most certainly, I would say brow chakra, pineal third, a third eye, it really heightens intuition in a big way. Um, and so, yeah, and, and, and crown chakra, you know, I really became interested in how every everybody and everything links together. And of course, when you trained to be a bee shaman which I had to do to be and to become a Melissa priestess you really start to think about how the plants and the insects and everybody interacts and actually my book I call it the initiation plant of the the priestesses but how it's a portal into the uh, plant kingdom and the insect kingdom so most definitely crown chakra what's your thoughts I would I would actually go with the the solar plexus chakra I find you know I remember once when I had to teach a class to a group of children, a spiritually aware children, they were between eight and 11. And I'm like, how do I explain these energetic bodies to, to kids? And I remember when I got to the solar plexus chakra, I said, it's like our inner sun. And when the energy center is underactive, we almost slouch and we hide that light away from the world. And sometimes there's too much energy there and we blind people with too much light. And what we just want is we all want to shine brightly and encourage everyone else to shine. And with Melissa, you know, it's kind of got that beautiful taking away the clouds, taking away that th- that doubt, that disbelief, that fear, um, you know, all those type of things so that we can shine again. And I think we have to believe that we can shine again in order to shine again. And I think Melissa can really help in that way. So I love to work with it with the solar plexus chakra. I love that. And I can put that into B language for you, if you like. Yeah, so, please do. So... Obviously, the verb to be is I am, you are, he, she, it is. And so this idea of identity, this being, this idea of I am, you are, I am strong, I am powerful, I am me. I sound mm. really strong in my own meanness. That is all about what B medicine's about, to be exactly who you're supposed to be. I love that. I love that. While we're also talking about bees as well, one of the things that I love about bee, um, bee medicine when we look at, you know, the teachings from, observe, you know, humans think we're this most, we build buildings and we've got the internet and we can do all these amazing things, but we wouldn't do too well if we were put out in nature. And so we can actually learn from watching every single animal on this planet on, you know, how to navigate challenges. And from bees, I find, you know, when I talk about bees to people, I think about, where do they land on the plant? They don't just land anywhere. 
they always land on the flower. They land on the good spot. And so bees kind of teach us to look for the good things in life to look and to look for the good points in people. Even the most wretched of people have have something great about them. And so I think bees bring that real that and Melissa therefore brings us that look for the light in people, even if you if they're not showing it. It's kind of crack open that and have faith in people a little bit more. I agree with that. The only thing I would say is remember that bees are honeybees have venom. Mm. And and there is always in Melissa medicine, there's always the darkness with the light to remember about the, the sensitization. And also remember on this idea of what you're saying about solar plexus medicine, boundaries. You know, I am who I am. I don't have to take your, you know, mm. it's very much like that. It teaches you to be quite venomous if you use it. Yeah. So I guess it is very much about that harmony. You want to see the light in people, but you don't also want to have that Pollyanna kind of um attitude yes. where, oh uh, uh, you know and sometimes we hear in spiritual terms love and light love and light everyone's yep. perfect and all that kind of thing no it is always no, about and, and, harmony and bees they like to be out in the sunshine but most of the time they spend it in the darkness remember that mm. in their hive, it is very very dark so bees have their very dark side yeah yeah interesting now so that's the chakra what about planetary wise what would you associate melissa with yeah, I would say sun. The sun. Sun and sun and Venus. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Also the but also the moon, um, because the moon rules our emotions and it's very much involved in emo- emotions. But specifically, the dark side of the moon. I think we just said the dark, the part of our consciousness, the part of our personality that's impossible for us to express. You know, that part that we can never actually vocalise to somebody else. You, think, you don't understand, you know, that it, the, it, the moon rules that. And that's very Melissa. Yeah, you know, true. You kind of, and PMT, you know, so from that point of view, of it, it becomes extraordinarily powerful at the time of PMT. And, and Melissa is one of the few oils that is strong enough to be able to control that. That and Clarice Sage. Again, that's yep. the moon medicine. Yeah. yeah. Now, if you tune, if you have no other reason to tune into our episodes each week, whether to find out if me and uh, Liz will ever agree with each other, because I'm going to disagree with you here as well. I actually find I, I actually when I go to Melissa, I go to Jupiter. Now, I know Jupiter obviously Zeus was um, you know was brought up by the Melissa, uh, and so there's that kind of connection there. But also, Jupiter is obviously it's the largest planet in our solar system. In fact. Fun fact, if we didn't have Jupiter and its gravitational pull, all the other planets would have been sucked into the sun. So Zeus or Jupiter planet actually keeps us where we are. And Jupiter in um, astrology obviously is linked to luck and expansion and growth and abundance and all those things. And I find that Melissa has that kind of brings that light back in. And so I love to work with it in a Jupiter kind of energy as well. So you were talking earlier about Paracelsus and his elixir of life. Yes. So when he when he um, discusses about how you should make that, he actually yeah. gives directions on the exact planetary aspects you should have when you cut the plant, believe it or not. That's how precise he was. And he said it should be when Jupiter is conjunct Venus. Ah, so I, interesting. I agree with that. And and uh, and I when I like to write about the archetype and planetary medicine when I'm writing my books and I actually went through and I went through every single planetary archetype 
and it could fit with any of them. Um, yeah. And but Jupiter is is high up there, as you say, ninth house. Uh, Jupiter rules the ninth house, which is expansion, higher learning, higher education. So think about the memory, um, but also spirituality. Um, mm. So I, I yeah, I agree with that. And and of course, it's like the great the great um, beneficent. It's joyful and expansive, which is exactly how. Uh, Melissa, makes Melissa it, is. I agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So as we come to the end of our first episode, how would you summarise Melissa in a few sentences? Who needs it? Why do we need it? What's beautiful about it? So I'll add one more property that I think is important, yeah. and that's cold sores. Loads of evidence of cold sores. Yeah. So if you're making if you're making uh, lip balms, then definitely add some Melissa. Remember how to keep your dilutions really low. I think all women should definitely have Melissa, even though it's expensive. You can get it in really small amounts, and I think it's worthwhile doing that. Uh, it's not an oil to put into your bath because it's too sharp sometimes. So you only need to do small amounts into your massage oils for um, any kind of like gynecological issues. If you've anybody who's feeling down, but if you've got somebody who is confused and elderly. I definitely would recommend getting it. What do you think, Adam? What would you use it for? I think anyone who's feeling at the moment physically, emotionally, mentally or spiritually, they're struggling. They're, they're, they're in that cloudy, dark kind of place. I think as we spoke about today, Melissa can help us to embrace the darkness, to find that power within us, but also to part those clouds and to bring a bit more vibrancy, a bit more clarity of mind, a bit more certainty about life and about to see a bit more, you know, this is kind of saying that um, paradise is an attitude of the heart or the attitude of the mind. And I think Melissa can kind of start to change little things within us on all different levels to help see that light again when maybe we've lost lost sight of it for a short time. Yeah, and I think every if you read any religion, they will always put the honeybee at the, the epitome of goodness and of happiness and of good community. And so if you can communicate in that way through with uh, Melissa essential oil, you will start to really drip honey. So whether you're <laughs> listening to us um, via one of our podcasting platforms or whether you're watching us on YouTube, please let us know um, what you love about Melissa, how you use Melissa. We love to hear your feedback. And we made it through our first episode, Liz. We did. I really enjoyed it. Thank you, Adam. And thanks for everybody listening in. I'm looking forward to hearing people's comments. Yeah, definitely. So next week, we decided we're going to work with Copa Iba. Yeah. We'll talk a little bit you about that. reminded me because I'd forgotten. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Copa Iba. I love that one. Yes, I'm looking forward so to it. Very different to this one. Very different indeed. Lots of science to, to talk about next time. Yes, it's a bit of a newer, newer kid on the block, but a very popular new kid on the block. So I think if you haven't heard of Copa Iba, you definitely want to catch next week's episode to find out about that. But thank you very much for joining us with Fellowship in Essential Oils. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.